Welcome to Allied, the podcast for everything you need to know about web and video accessibility. I'm your host, Elisa Lewis, and I sit down with an accessibility expert each month to learn about their work. Every episode has a transcript published with it, which can be viewed by accessing the episode on the 3Play Media website. If you like what you hear on Allied, please subscribe or leave a review. Allied is brought to you by 3Play Media, your video accessibility partner. Visit us at www.3playmedia.com to learn why thousands of customers trust us to make their video and media accessible. This week, we're excited to share an exclusive bonus episode with 3Play Media co-founders and co-CEOs, Josh Miller and Chris Antunes. Chris and Josh met at MIT's Sloan School of Management, where they launched 3Play Media in 2007. In 2022, 3Play serves more than 10,000 customers across multiple industries, helping them increase the value of their online video and media by making it accessible, usable, searchable, and SEO-friendly. In this conversation, which was recorded live at our recent Access Conference in March 2022, Josh and Chris outlined their vision for 3Play's recent acquisition of CaptionMax and National Captioning Canada. These two companies add a complementary suite of services to the 3Play Media family, cementing 3Play Media's position as a premier media accessibility provider in North America. We're thrilled to share more on Allied about the future of 3Play as the new market leader. And with that, welcome Josh and Chris. Thank you both for being here today. So to start off, I'd love to find out how did 3Play get started? Can you give the audience a little bit of background? Um, How did you get into the industry and what problems were you trying to solve when starting 3Play Media? Absolutely. Um, Josh and I are going to do our best here not to jump over over one another and and trade back and forth sort of organically, but I'll I'll start here. So we founded 3Play with two other co-founders, man, about 14 years ago now, uh, while we were at business school at MIT. Um, There was a group at MIT called MIT OpenCourseWare or OCW, um, a predecessor to groups like edX and Coursera and Udacity that came later, but OCW was focused on publishing hundreds of hours of engineering lectures at MIT um, online for free. And and part of their funding, um, their private funding required that all of those videos be accessible. So they weren't uh, setting out to caption all of those videos because of a legal action or for a compliance reason, really their funding required it. And they went out to market and realized that traditional closed captioning was pretty expensive and, and really didn't accommodate that sort of scale. And, you know, we were, we were there and one of our co-founders had worked at OCW before and were presented with this problem. And so we worked with a group at, uh, or an advisor at the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab, CSAIL at MIT, to dig into this problem. And, and I'd say... Uh, uh, a rational exuberance of youth. We thought that you know ASR speech recognition might be able to solve this entirely, and you know by the end of the day, we'd have a solution. And you know, turns out that speech recognition alone didn't work then, and, and still doesn't work today. And and there's a whole nother 
hour long conversation or more about, about why that's true, but it does make the process dramatically faster. And that sort of key ingredient is at the center of the three play process still today. Um, in addition to the sort of technology um, challenge, I think right from that first interaction with MIT, we realized that you know, video accessibility is just one small part of the broader uh, video production supply chain or process and one small part of a broader corporate accessibility strategy. And while compliance may be a motivator, um, fundamentally, we had to deliver a high quality, reliable, scalable service that was easy to use to really you know, lead to widespread adoption. Um, and we set out in, in our corner of the accessibility universe to deliver that peace of mind and to innovate, to make it as simple and really systematically to turn no's or maybe not yet or when budget will allow <laughs> into yeses consistently. Um, and fast forwarding to today, you know, I think we all know here, it's night and day, how the market has changed, how the landscape has changed in terms of uh, what we see in, in terms of the, the buying experience around accessibility and the adoption around media accessibility generally, um, you know, fueled by a whole number of things, certainly some high profile lawsuits, massive corporate initiatives, um, heightened awareness around inclusion and, and universal design as a product for first concept. And, and obviously uh, even by a global pandemic that created whole new industries and, and really forced all of us to, to innovate um, urgently and, and acceler accelerated roadmaps around remote hybrid virtualization overnight. Um, all of that has resulted in a, in a place now where it's surprising and honestly even a little disappointing when you see a video online that doesn't have captions. And, and, and from our perspective, even audio description, which was frankly pretty esoteric a decade ago, um, is becoming more and more mainstream uh, which really just feels great to see. Um, you know, all that said, our focus for the first decade plus of the company was in the recorded captioning space. And I know a lot of what we want to talk about today is, is focused around live captioning and, and what the combination of 3Play with CaptionMax NCC will bring. Um, but, you know, that was the 14 years worth of history compact in, you know, three or four minutes. The other part that I think is worth noting is this, this focus on the streaming world and web video to start as opposed to broadcast or live. And, and in that, at that time, we were really early to the streaming video market and especially accessibility in streaming video. Uh, but we were really, really focused on this idea that video accessibility and captioning in particular at the time wasn't all about a, a cost item. It wasn't all about doing something just for compliance. And, and it was actually something that made video better. Uh, and for there are, whole, there are a whole lot of reasons why we, would get, why we would get excited about it. It could be from video search or subtitling or navigation. There are a whole bunch of reasons that we started to fixate on to try to educate the market around why this is a good idea. And not just this is the right thing to do, which it absolutely is, uh, but this is actually going to help you engage with your viewers more. Um, and what, what's exciting to see now is how much it is truly expected by viewers. There, there is an expectation that captions are available um, and, and depending on the content, maybe even subtitles as well. 
Uh, so that was something that was very real for us in the beginning is this lack of awareness um, and lack of understanding or why this was a good idea. And, and we spent a lot of time kind of trying to figure out how do we educate the market and, and, and be a, a trusted resource, not just a service provider. I think that just to build on that a little bit more, I, I do think entering a market early, right, can feel challenging at the time because people might not be ready to buy or adopt, but it, it really seeps into the DNA of a company. And like Josh said, it forced us to innovate, to become subject matter experts ourselves and to evangelize and really get to know every aspect of the market, both our customers' needs, the, the sort of end user needs, et cetera. Um, and I think you'll see that, you know, with every interaction with 3Play, you know, the 3Play team today is, is really, you know, that, D, that core DNA. So you touched on, um, you know, the focus formerly being on recorded captioning, and you kind of mentioned, um, you know, moving into live. Live captioning has been required for years, particularly in the broadcast space. Why hasn't 3Play pursued it in a meaningful way before? And what's changed now? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I guess there's an argument that the market was there. We should have gone after that one uh, to start. Uh, you know, we're very aware that live captioning has been around. We've been monitoring it for a very long time since we got started. We evaluated it even when we got started as to whether it was worth trying to get into. Uh, part of why we didn't was that it was crowded and that there were established players doing a good job. And there wasn't the market wasn't in a place where another provider or vendor made sense. And so when we thought about it, is, you know, when we enter a market, we want to be sure that we can differentiate. And it wasn't clear that we were really going to be able to differentiate and, and even try to win the market. It, it didn't make sense then. Um, throughout the years, we've certainly gotten requests and demand from customers for live captioning. Uh, not a surprise there. Uh, and we even explored solving uh, for live captioning for our customers through partnerships. Uh, that unfortunately proved to be extremely challenging, uh, really because it didn't quite align with the way we've built ourselves and being very application focused and, and really trying to make this you know, solution or service feel a lot more like a web app. And so for a lot of the reasons we'll get into why we are getting into live now, uh, it, didn't, it didn't make sense because it was just too complicated to, to partner with an existing provider. Uh, but over the last few years, what we've seen with COVID and a lot, you know, certainly you know, being remote, every industry in some way has changed. You know, whether it be the enterprise or events, um, there, things are very different now than they were before. The need for live accept video accessibility has been accelerated tremendously. Um, and then even the traditional media players are finding ways to bring content online in a streaming live environment as well. So the, the, the demand for live has just really grown exponentially uh, in a way that presents a, a new challenge that we are really excited to, to dive into. So that's a great segue. Why is 3Play now specifically positioned to pursue live captioning in a really compelling way? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Um, I'll build off again some of the stuff that Josh just covered, which is live's been around for a long time, right? In broadcast for years and years and years. Um, we've been very aware of the market. I think 3Play, from a product perspective and a technology perspective, we've always focused on only um, 
building new products or offering new services where we think we can truly differentiate, right? Uh, really innovate and really lead. And to be frank, for a long while, we didn't see that in live, right? We didn't just want to be another offering that was doing something largely the same way. But I think um, as more of our customers in, in the web streaming space um, started to get exposed rapidly to the need for live captioning through what happened over the last few years, we heard the same things again and again, um, the same themes, the same customer needs. Scheduling live events can be complicated, manual, challenging. Um, managing connection endpoints or inviting captioners into events or um, scheduling days, weeks, or even months in advance to make sure you get a captioning resource, right? 3Play has a web app, simple ordering system, schedule management system, um, ultimately can be integrated with all the platforms out there, just like our recorded um, solution today. We heard captioners sometimes maybe don't show up for an event or maybe they leave early because a game goes into extra innings and they have to go caption another event or maybe they get disconnected for five minutes or um, who knows, maybe they need a bio break in a four hour event. Um, well, 3Play has a solution, um, ASR failover, right? So we, uh, we already are fluent in ASR technology and we could very easily have an automated captioning track running in parallel. So if for any reason, a captioner doesn't show up for a portion of an event or an entire event, you could get ASR automatically as a, as a backup. Inconsistent end user experience. Um, you know, we've heard um, again and again, sometimes we have to use second screen. So send the audience that needs captions to an entirely different location to view the event. And that's not equal, um, certainly. Um, and as video platforms continue to add more native API support, just like with the recorded solution we offer, we'll integrate with them. And then the captions can be native in the platform and accessible across all devices. So that was exciting. Um, capacity. There's so much content streaming live now. And frankly, they're just not enough experts out there to handle it all. Um, live captioning is hard. And today to be a live captioner requires specialized training and specialized tools. Well, on the three play side, on the recorded side, you know, we've become expert at teaching people uh, to do, to become experts in a task using simple to understand tools at scale. You know, thousands and thousands of people who've been onboarded onto our marketplace to do just that. So we saw an opportunity. Um, I think that when customer needs start lining up so directly and so clearly with proven capabilities that 3Play has today, um, problems we know how to solve or we've solved already just in a different format, we start to get really excited. And that started to happen with live, you know, a year and a half or two years ago. And I think what we started to realize is that we could build a new in kind product and service that really could dramatically improve the live captioning market for the better. And we got to work building it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You know, why not go into live before and why now? The everything we've done, everything we've learned in the recorded space has actually positioned us really well to go after this problem. Because as Chris said, it, this is hard. You know, live it'd be silly to assume that this isn't. You know, this is going to be a cakewalk, and we can just figure it out and turn a switch, and we've got a new product. You know, the, there's a different level 
of sensitivity, the stakes are higher when it's a live event. You can't stop and fix something and, and go back and, and do it again. It's live. It is happening one time, and that is what everyone is experiencing, and you better get it right. Um, so I think part of part of why we even didn't go into it before is, you know, there's a certain level of hubris to say, I can take over your live event having done nothing else before. Uh, but now that we have the experience in captioning, we understand the market uh, better and better. Uh, and, and with all of these capabilities that are, that are so similar to what we've tried to do in the recorded space, we feel very well positioned. And, and as Chris said, excited to tackle these problems. Uh, and, you know, that, that's what keeps us going is, is being able to tackle interesting challenges that can improve video producers' lives, viewers' lives. And this is, this is where it gets really interesting is that we can bring a, a product to market that can help really solve a real challenge in the amount of live content that's out there. Yeah. And I, I um, anyone who wants to uh, go deeper on this topic around capacity or kind of the evolution of the live captioning uh, market generally, uh, shameless plug for the Allied podcast that Elisa also hosts here, but uh, Joe Brooks, who was formerly uh, president COO of the National Captioning Institute, and is on board now at 3Play helping us uh, build our new live captioning solution, um, goes into this on an episode, I think back in December or January with Elisa in a lot of detail and really lays this out very clearly. Um, and I do think that we should take a moment while we're on this topic to just give a shout out to our live captioners who are on with us today, live captioning this event. Um, no pressure. I know uh, we kind of said it's happening now. Uh, it's all live, but um, just a shout out there. And if you don't have the captions on, um, reminder to turn them on using the closed caption button on the bottom of Zoom. Um, so moving on, you know, all three organizations, 3Play Media, Caption Max, and NCC have been around for quite some time. So, you know, moving to the sort of bulk of this acquisition conversation, why did this acquisition take place now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, kind of tackle it from a few different directions. Um, topically, you know, it relates kind of directly back to the the previous question about why live now. So CaptionMax and, and, and NCC both um, obviously have uh, a long history of, of providing live captions um, in the broadcast space um, and, and, and in the web streaming space at scale. So absolutely the market is expanding rapidly around live. Our customers were clamoring for a new, di a different in-kind solution. And, and we think collectively, we're, we're well positioned to offer that solution. So, you know, very timely from that perspective in terms of, you know, complementary capabilities and, and markets, et cetera. Um, but on a standalone basis, 3Play was, is growing. Our team is amazing. Um, the work we do is meaningful and rewarding every day. And honestly, we've had plenty of opportunities to do acquisitions or to look more carefully at growing sort of inorganically in this way. And our bias has been towards saying no to these uh, for fear of disrupting the delicate balance and, and, and the thing that we've created and built here. Um, so I think what was different about live is the urgency and the immediacy, right? This was happening right now at huge scale. And we just felt uh, so deeply that together with Caption Max and NCC, 
we could address the needs as they were evolving, as they were presenting in a totally different way, in a totally different scale. And if we built this on our own in, you know, two or three years later, we had that solution in hand, you know, we'd just be too late to really uh, provide the solution that the market needs today. Thank you. We're just uh, switching our ASL interpreter spotlight. So let us know um, if there are any issues there. So, you know, there are a number of players in this space. And, you know, like you mentioned, other opportunities have been around um, for acquisition. Why did 3Play choose to acquire Caption Max and National Captioning Canada? Yeah. So, so as Chris mentioned, part of it is the, the timeliness uh, of, of where we're at, where they're at. Um, but it's really worth calling out that in any acquisition, and especially this one, it, yes, we chose to acquire CaptionMax and, and NCC, but they also chose us. And I think that's really, really important. They could have taken a different path. They could have chosen someone else to work with or, or, or gone, gone a different route entirely. Um, so, you know, at the root of all of this and making this successful and, and actually getting the deal done is really building the relationships and in, 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 in identifying alignment in where we're going as a, as a company in the future, right? And, and are our visions for what the future could look like aligned, right? Are, are we thinking about things the same way? And that's really, really important to see if this is going to work. So, you know, that was there um, and, you know, we obviously took time to develop it, but that was something that was really important to us and, and exciting that it, that it existed. Um, you know, we, as, as we've talked about, we've been exploring live uh, and we had actually been in the live game for a little over a year with an automated solution um, using speech recognition and had more recently launched a professional live captioning solution with humans. Um, and so we've been in this for a little over a year. Um, but it's like we've talked about, it's hard and there's a lot that they can go wrong and there's a lot that needs to be built. Uh, so this acquisition brings immediate scale um, and domain expertise, as well as market presence that we didn't have in both broadcast and, and Canada. Um, so there are a whole bunch of factors that got us excited about why we should do this now and how the, the timeliness of it makes sense. Um, and so it, it, it was something that all it took a long time. Any of these acquisitions will, any acquisition will take a long time. Uh, but, but this came together really well. And, you know, one of the pieces that's worth touching on is that early in the conversations, it was very clear that we had very similar values and a very similar mission, very similar beliefs about building products and services for customers and in doing everything we could do to bring peace of mind to our customers and know so that they know we are going to do right by them, you know, with whatever it may be, whether it be live captioning, recorded captioning, subtitles, and, and so on. You know, all three companies really are known for customer experience and high quality reliability, and really being a full service accessibility partner uh, with all kinds of different guarantees, whether it be quality or turnaround, uh, support SLAs as well. Um, and that's something, you know, it, it's, it's different for each one of us in terms of the, where we play. You know, we play more in a web-oriented world. Uh, CaptionMax is more in a broadcast world. So some of these might be defined slightly differently, but it all comes back to those same core values. And that was really important for us. 
So what that means is that, you know, customers across all three companies uh, should know and feel comfortable um, that that's the way we're thinking is we're thinking customer first and they shouldn't have concerns about whether, you know, things might change dramatically or for the worse or, or anything like that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We're going to be leveraging each other's strengths to figure out how do we continue to innovate? How do we continue to provide the best possible customer experience, the best possible outcome uh, for our collective customers. So there are certain things that we do really well when it comes to technology and scale and reliability. Um, there's certain things that obviously CaptionMax and NCC do really well around live and, and other services as well. So we're, we're really excited to combine them and, and bring that, those complementary natures together because uh, that's what will make this truly successful. And so that's all the stuff that's kind of like, you know, the, the, the soft stuff that matters actually quite a bit in terms of making this successful. When we get into some of the more tactical growth oriented initiatives, you know, we look at the market. So the fact that NCC is based in Canada was actually extremely important to us. So Canada has some of the most progressive accessibility laws in the world. And NCC has this incredible presence with really good customers um, but they're actually really into almost entirely a live captioning solution, uh, outfit, right? Where um, there's an opportunity to bring more services to their customers uh, and, and really bring a fully scaled, suite, full suite of solutions to the Canadian market. Um, both NCC and CaptionMax have actually turned work away uh, due to the need for more capacity. Uh, we talked about capacity in live, but it cuts across all their services. And that's what we really built our business on in the recorded space. Um, so there's more growth opportunities if the right tools and systems and processes are put in place. Uh, you know, certainly, as I said, with NCC, we're going to be working with them to, to get beyond live captioning, put in more sales and marketing processes. Um, and then with CaptionMax, you know, again, it's, it's streamlining workflows and, and bringing more capacity. Um, with the media landscape changing so much, as, as a leader, and we're, we'll I'm sure we'll talk more about this idea of, of being a leader, uh, we really want to be at the forefront, and this combination allows us to do that. And that's what this is really about, is being able to accelerate the areas that we want to work on and also bring some of our strengths to, uh, to CaptionMax and NCC in a way that is truly complementary, truly collaborative, um, so that customers will continue to have that that ultimate peace of mind. Um, so, you know, as I said, we've, we, we all define some of these aspects a little bit differently in terms of, you know, what does reliability mean? What does quality mean? But at the end of it, we are all customer first and quality first, and we're focused on the same long-term mission of, of really driving accessibility to all video one way or another. And so to us, this is one way to accelerate that timeline of, of, of reaching that point where every, every video is captioned and subtitled for for one reason or another. And the, I think there, I mean, Josh, you covered you know so so much of it here. But the, the only thing I, I'd add is when we think about you know an acquisition or a combination of you know a few different companies, it's one thing for this all to look good in an Excel model or to look good on paper. And um, it can be kind of clear as day that we are complementary products and services that can, when combined, produce a more, you know, efficient, scalable, fulsome suite of solutions for our customers. 
but the rubber hits the road when you're talking about can you execute, right? Can you actually bring that vision to life? And that is all about the people and all about the alignment. Um, and I'll just say, you know, frankly, like you can in one or two conversations with, you know, leaders of, you know, certain groups understand whether there's compatibility there and whether you're going to be able to execute together. And I think from the beginning of our conversations with the Caption Max and NTC leadership, it was clear that, that we would all find joy in the collective execution and innovation and, and challenge ahead. And, you know, early days here still, very early days here still, you know, six, seven weeks in, but, but so far that promise is delivered. You know, there's complicated problems to solve and, you know, multiple geographies to traverse, but, but everyone is excited about it. And honestly, that sort of spirit of entrepreneurialism and solution seeking over problem pointing has been so central to making free play successful since the origin. And we just see that DNA again uh, with NCC and Capture Max so clearly. So you mentioned a number of different pieces of this acquisition. Um, one that I'd like to dig a little bit more into is the exciting expansion opportunity into the Canadian market. Can you share a little bit about how the market in Canada differs from the U.S. market and what this looks like for 3Play? Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, Canada has some of the most progressive law, accessibility laws in the entire world. Uh, so there's the AODA, which is focused on Ontario specifically. There's also the Accessible Canada Act. And it basically uh, is all about bringing accessibility to all walks of life across all industries um, and making sure that nobody is left out. So it is it's kind of the ultimate inclusion uh, legislation when it comes to accessibility. Uh, so that's something that you know is really interesting to us because it means that every organization is thinking about video accessibility one way or another because they, they really have to. Uh, the other uh, piece that's pretty interesting is uh, Canadian Heritage. So that is a program that all about um, keeping, uh, basically keeping resources and dollars in Canada for Canadian film and video production. Uh, so there's a, it's called the CPTC, it's the Canadian Film and Video, or video Production Tax Credit, uh, where any any filmmaker or content owner that's producing content locally in Canada with Canadian resources will actually be eligible for pretty significant tax credits. Um, so being able to have a presence in Canada allows us to work with customers more directly for, for all of what we just talked about, the, the certainly Accessible Canada Act, but also the CBTC, uh, which really we could not do as effectively uh, if we were entirely operating out of the United States. Yeah, and this and this is you know a callback on the financial side here to something you know we I think I mentioned earlier, which is making it easier for uh, you know uh, groups or companies to say yes, and you know programs like these, tax credits like these, you know certainly help. And and again, uh, being able to offer a solution at scale right, with that uh, financial offset is, is clearly helpful. So the phrase new market leader has been used in several of the announcements regarding this transaction. Can you share a little bit more about what's behind that phrase, the new market leader? 
Sure. So I guess we should start by defining what a market leader is and kind of how it's measured. So, you know, it could be market share, it could be revenue, growth rate, customer count. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to, to think about it. Those are all very important. And, and I'd say part of the equation, uh, we really like to think about uh, kind of innovation and being the authority in the space. So really kind of being on the forefront of everything. So we, we really do expect to set a bar for new product development when it comes to video accessibility and, and having the most or delivering the most valuable solutions to our customers. Uh, so we think about, you know, how can we be a thought leader to, for the people who are coming into this industry for the first time? How can we offer guidance? How can we be viewed as a resource and not just a vendor, uh, which I think I mentioned before. Uh, so we're really thinking about leadership in the, in that kind of like big L way, if you will, and not just on paper in terms of numbers. Um, so that, that's one thing that's, I think, worth quickly noting. Uh, we've been around for 14 years and we were the first ones to go deep into the use of machine learning and technology and speech recognition as part of creating captions. Um, and the whole idea of bringing services to market at scale um, being our focus. Uh, so our view has always been to do that with the highest level of quality, never to sacrifice quality just to be fast or just to do things at, at high volumes, but to have an incredibly reliable system and to really offer the best publisher or user experience when it comes to accessible video and being able to deliver peace of mind. And that, that, is, that is something that we've thought about from the very beginning. I think more recently, we've been using this phrase, peace of mind, but that's really who we've been from the very beginning. Um, and so we've similarly taken this approach of, of being the trusted advisor for our customers and being a partner um, in the entire effort and, and being connected with our community. Obviously, events like this, I think it's really important that we are creating content and sharing best practices so that we all are staying up to date on the latest standards, the best practices, and, and really encouraging everyone to identify new ways of, of making their content accessible. So I think that that's a big part of it. Uh, and then more recently, we've had new entrants in the market. I mean, certainly, you know, Rev and Burbit, and they've had their own approaches um, and in some ways different, some ways similar in, in, in terms of how they capture market share. So we're, we are internally always talking about how do we extend our lead? How do we extend our lead in the market, having been the first one to do this at scale? You know, and, and one of the, the best ways to do that is to not only maintain all the differentiation, uh, but also to continue to you know, innovate and invest and in, in explore new ways to separate ourselves from the pack. And, and part of that can come with acquisition, as we're talking about. Um, so we're, we're constantly thinking about new product capabilities, improved features, um, even tangential markets, and those all have different implications. Um, and, and obviously we're, we're talking about a pretty big one today. Yeah. And I think just to, to add to that in, in the context of, you know, the competitive landscape, you know, I think we really focused from the beginning of the company and still today um, at, as quality guarantees around turnaround. So all these things that, that are wrapped up in terms of peace of mind as non-negotiable. Right. So we'll innovate. Uh, we'll try to find more cost effective strategies that we can, you know, pass some of those savings on to our customers for sure. But all subject to quality, not being lessened. 
Um, and, you know, again, there, there are definitely solutions, you know, out there where that's, that's not the case. And there is an, an, an ASR alone, or even a, you know, a lower quality solution definitely makes sense in some contexts, but we've really, again, be focused on, have been focused on innovation subject to, you know, continuing to guarantee that quality that our customers who really view the transcripts and the captions as an extension of their product, right. And, and the accuracy and the quality reflects on their brand. Right. Those are the ideal customers for three play. Um, you know, those that kind of share that belief that the quality matters and is central to everything we're doing here. So as we begin to wrap up the conversation, looking ahead, what are some of the key trends that you're paying attention to as part of maintaining this lead? Yeah, there's a there, there, there's a lot a lot of things we're we're paying attention to. It's it's often a matter of what can we focus our, our attention on because there's so much we want to do. It really kind of redounds to prioritization. Um, but I guess you know start with some big trends we're following, and then you know maybe end with some of the the things we're we're pursuing. Um, so virtual and hybrid events, which you know maybe started as a trend two years ago, I think we all believe are here to stay. You see it with access this this week. Um, and it's really encouraging that accessibility um, is kind of built in from the foundation of a lot of these new platforms. And it's a table stake and it's, it's you know, considered essential to the success of these platforms. Um, so partnering with these groups and, and trying to, again, um, have put our imprint on and have input into how, how the, the video accessibility and media accessibility acts, aspects of remote events are solved. Um, you know, accessibility policies migrating um, from, you know, a state of being compliance driven to more centrally, um, you know, and systematically part of a company's core value setting or even, you know, their, their, their policies around inclusion. It's nice to see that change, to sort of see that chasm crossed where accessibility is an inclusion issue, is a DEI issue at its core. Um, that definitely changes the tenor of conversations um, that we see. Um, always monitoring what's happening around automated speech recognition and, and when it makes sense and where it can be deployed uh, strategically to, to produce, uh, you know, affordable, um, good outputs that make sense in context. Audio description is, you know, obviously this has been a focus for us for a few years now and, you know, waiting to see kind of what has to happen to get widespread adoption in the same way we've seen with closed captioning where, you know, frankly, with AD, the the um, the mass use and appeal and value isn't quite as clear as it is with closed captioning all of the time. Um, but you know, we think synthesized speech, at least from a cost perspective, can help us. You know, drive more and more adoption there. Um, I think there's sessions on this tomorrow, but I think lots and lots of people are monitoring what's happening with the NAD and DRA lawsuit. Uh, focused on the lack of accessibility right now on several of the major podcast platforms and, and what ultimately is going to happen there, considering just the massive volume of audio flowing through those platforms. Um, you know, what standards are set, who ultimately ends up paying um, from a product design perspective, what is a truly equal and accessible solution look like in terms of transcripts, captions, um, ultimately there. You know, way further out where 
we've participated in some of these standard settings meetings, but we're excited to see kind of what happens in the augmented reality and virtual reality space. Um, in terms of video accessibility and media accessibility, I think we're far from, that's far from a, a solved problem and in cement, but it's early stages now and something we're trying to, to orbit around and be as involved in as we can um, as it all gets sorted out. Um, so that, that's just to name a few, um, but there's, there's obviously a lot that we're focused on. I think one thing that's worth quickly noting is, is that the ASR conversation is really interesting when it comes to live. Um, what, obviously with the increase in content and demand and there, and the whole idea of lack of capacity and why we're so interested in the live market is, you know, is, is ASR okay in some cases? And is it the, the right thing to do so that there is at least something there uh, when otherwise there'd be no potential uh, opportunity to put a captioner on an event. And I think there are certain cases you could argue it is appropriate to put ASR captions on uh, because there literally would be nothing else. And so I think that's a conversation that we're spending you know, a good amount of time paying attention to and just trying to understand what does that mean for the future of the market. Um, there are always going to be events where live captioning requires a human and there's no way that a machine will do justice for the the, the importance of that event um, so there's a there's an interesting conversation to be had and, and i think you know, we we think about encouraging people to be open-minded and, and and try to be a little pragmatic about what is appropriate as opposed to um taking an extreme approach of only one or the other at all times because there's a world where both can uh, survive and be a sustainable and, and actually very reasonable op option for, for various organizations. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's such a nuanced conversation. And I think too often it becomes one or the other, or, you know, all of a sudden there's some going to be some massive leap forward and deep neural networks and then <laughs> the machines take over the world. Um, but it's so much more driven by context. And it's so situational. And that's why, you know, we offer an automated captioning solution and a professional captioning solution. Um, and all day in the recorded space at huge volumes, we use speech recognition as a starting point and clean it up. And so as a result, there's no one better equipped than us to know how accurate speech recognition is in certain scenarios, because we see the original speech recognition and the truth after it's cleaned up by our recorded captioners. So I absolutely agree with, with everything Josh said that, you know, it's nuanced and there's situations where one or the other makes sense. And at the mass and volumes we're talking about with live video and certainly on the podcast platforms, you know, there's certainly space for both as, as, as these markets continue to mature. Thanks for listening to Allied. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. To catch all the latest on accessibility, visit www.3playmedia.com backslash allied podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.